If ever there was a parable that demonstrated the stark contrast between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven, it is this one. As we try to scramble to the top of a heap in our dog-eat-dog society, effort and initiative in our chosen field usually pays off better than idleness in the marketplace. Our economic system, in fact, America's core values of opportunity for all who live here, are based in part on a key idea. Given a chance, you can work harder and more effectively than others, and you will likely reap greater rewards, regardless of your age, your sex, your religion, or your national origin. It's also true that if you work at comparably the same tasks as another with roughly similar levels of effort and accomplishment, you can expect, indeed, you can demand equal pay for equal work. The government even requires it. In today's Gospel reading, though, Jesus gives the disciples a lesson in the economics of heaven. And it seems that the rules of divine business aren't likely to meet the approval of the National Labor Relations Board or the Teamsters or Donald Trump. As the story begins, we are just coming off a couple of other events which also illustrate heavenly commerce. In the first one, a rich young man wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. In spite of his supposedly exemplary life in keeping the commandments, he is still confronted with the reality that he is still not perfect enough to enter the kingdom of heaven on his own efforts. His heart lacks the faith necessary to follow Jesus, for he cannot let go of his love of wealth. In the second situation, Peter follows up with Jesus on the aftermath of this discussion about the rich young man. Jesus had said that those who were wealthy would find it very, very difficult to enter the kingdom of heaven. Peter then pointed out that he and the other disciples had left behind all that they knew and all that they cared about to follow the Lord. Surely then this was an indication that they deserved some sort of special consideration in the kingdom to come. And Jesus agreed that those who followed him early and faithfully would certainly be given a special place in heaven. Yet Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 19, 29, just before our text for today, that it is not the mere act of giving up worldly things which grants an individual heavenly rewards. It is giving them up for the sake of Christ and not for our own interests. You see, we cannot humble our way. We cannot give our way. We cannot work our way into heaven. Let's get back to the landowner and the workers. The story certainly starts out conforming to our economic expectations. During the harvest time, labor would be in scarce supply due to the high level of demand. And knowing that, the landowner goes to the marketplace very early to hire workers. Those laborers are on top of things too. They know that by showing up early, getting hired early would mean getting a full day's work in and thus would ensure getting a full day's wage. The early bird gets the worm, right? 
And the early employer or the early worker gets what he's looking for as well. The parties agree to their terms and conditions and a contract is made. So far, so good. As the day continues, knowing that he has a large harvest and needing sufficient labor to bring it all into his storehouses, the owner continues to recruit more and more workers. Now, he does not promise a full day's compensation to those hired at the later hours, but he does indicate that he would treat them rightly in regards to their pay. Perhaps the laborers in this community knew the landowner to be a just man, or perhaps they were simply in no position to bargain after not having been given an opportunity by anyone else, and they were desperate for whatever pay he, he could provide. Regardless of the reasons, however, they too join those who were hired early in the morning, and they help bring in the landowner's harvest. Our human reason and our human values begin to have problems with this parable in verse 6, however. The landowner comes to the marketplace late in the afternoon. The sun was already sinking in the sky, and to our way of thinking anyway, there really wasn't much chance that anyone who was hired at this time would be able to contribute much to that harvest effort. They'd most likely just get in the way and disrupt the process. Finding, however, that there were still several more available workers who had not been put to good use, the landowner sends them off to work as well. It seems that this landowner is happy to provide gainful employment for anyone who is willing to receive his offer and participate in his harvest. He knows that his harvest is highly valuable, and every little bit helps. At the end of the day, however, we notice something a little bit strange. Although the landowner had done all of the negotiating, all of the hiring himself, he delegates the task of giving out the day's wages to his foreman. Now, this is not unusual in and of itself, of course, because busy entrepreneurs often delegate administrative tasks to others. But note here a couple of things. While the landowner does specify how the laborer's wages are to be given out, that is, that the, those last hired would be paid first and vice versa, he does not tell his foreman how much each worker is to be paid. Thus, it can only be that the foreman, who is trusted by the landowner and aware of his intentions, already knows what his boss has in mind to pay each worker. This pay surprises us, just as it surprised the workers in that parable. Regardless of their effort or the hardship they bore or the duration of their labor, each and every worker receives the exact same wage. No wonder those who had been hired first grumbled. It seems clear that either they should have received far more than those Johnny-come-latelys who arrived just before sunset, or else the stragglers should have received far less. This is how the kingdom of heaven works, we're told? That's not right. We're supposed to get what we deserve. Equal pay for equal work, not equal pay for unequal work. That's market forces at play. That's how the economy functions. That's what's right and equitable. What this landowner did is just not fair. 
No, it isn't. It isn't fair at all. This isn't how things are supposed to work, we think. We deserve our wages, fair and square. We're entitled to them. We've earned them, God. With all of the effort that we've put forth in being good Christians, good laborers in your vineyard, you ought to give us what we deserve, Lord. In 2 Samuel 12, after being told of the taking of the poor man's lamb by the rich man, just as he had done in taking Bathsheba from humble Uriah, King David tells the prophet Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. And St. Paul writes to the church of Rome and to all of us, the wages of sin is death. You may often grumble like the workers who were hired early in the morning that you do not get what you deserve too. You might whine that the Christian life is too hard, too demanding, too embarrassing to live out in this world. You might resent the fact that quite often you're left out of the fun or the riches or the glory. When those feelings come, it would be wise for you to heed the words of Isaiah from our Old Testament lesson once again. To forsake your evil thoughts, to turn to the Lord in repentance, that you might experience once again His mercy and His free-flowing pardon. To be infinitely thankful that my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, God does not always direct that, that which is deserved upon those who deserve it. As Psalm 103 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. The thief said to his condemned fellow criminal as they and Jesus hung on their crosses that painful, horrible, and yet glorious day, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Before we completely disregard God's sense of economics, though, we would do well to remember that all good works originate in Him especially our salvation. Likewise, all the good that we do as Christians after He has received us into His kingdom also do not originate of ourselves, but rather of the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul wrote a few verses earlier than the text of our epistle lesson for today, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is hardly ignorant of the worldly laws of supply and demand. We can learn pretty early on in studying economics that when demand is high, the price goes up. Well then, think about this. What greater demand has ever existed for you than the demands of the law to be perfect and holy and without sin? This is a demand that you cannot possibly fulfill, and the price of failing to meet that demand is death. Your own death, and the deaths of all those who sin and fall short of the glory of God. And yet there is a greater price. 
a more precious asset with which the demand has been satisfied for you. The blood of a sinless, uncomplaining laborer. The very life of the holy and perfect Son of God. Yes, those impossible demands, that infinite price have been offset in the great exchange by a supply which is even greater. Abundant grace and boundless mercy. And the presence of this unlimited supply of grace and mercy allows that price to be kept very low for you. Peter quoted this price to the Jews who listened to him on Pentecost morning. Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. The landowner has come into the marketplace of your life. He has called you to work in his vineyard. And while you labor, you need not worry that those who have been called early and worked hard in the heat of the day will be treated unfairly. Others may come to faith later in life, and some in our human frailty consider that those late-coming believers are somehow getting a better deal, forgiveness and eternal life without paying the full price of the Christian life. But remember this, while you labor, you regularly receive the peace and the comfort and the joy which His daily providence and His eternal promises give you, while others still live in desperation or ignorance or fear. You are renewed by His Word and refreshed by His sacraments while they still search. God has not agreed to pay you a denarius for a day. He has promised to give you everything you need for this life as well as unlimited forgiveness, undeserved salvation, and unending life in His heavenly splendor. All this is provided to you without your works merely for your trust that He will forgive you and spare you for Jesus' sake. You receive His promises both this day and every day and forever. It certainly doesn't make any economic sense to us in earthly terms. It doesn't meet anyone's rational expectations. But in Jesus Christ's atoning death for you, God's law is perfectly kept and completely fulfilled even as all of the rules of human commerce and economics are broken. It isn't right. It's righteous. It's more than fair. It's faultless. Let praise and thanks then flow from our hearts and from our lips that God is not fair. He does not give you what you deserve. He is gracious and merciful to you, a poor sinful being. And may this truth give you the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. And may it keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.